Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 7th of January 2024. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Alex spoke on rejoicing. The reading is Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 7 to 12 and Habakkuk verses chapter 3 verses 17 to 19. So we're going to join Tommy as he's introducing the service with some notices. Which is happening at 9 o'clock Saturday, 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock, there we go, 8 o'clock on Saturday. Another thing, something to keep in your diaries for Friday the 9th is the NBC Portrait Artist of the Year event. So this is essentially going to be a family social event where we're going to be in in the hall, there'll be food and drinks, but... There'll be some tables dotted around where you have the opportunity to do portraits of people. And at the end of the night, we will vote on who we think the best portrait is. It's a bit of a laugh. Don't take it too seriously. I'm there mainly for the social part. Um, But yeah, that will be 9th of February at 7pm. There's further details and a sign-up sheet on the wall over there. So have that in mind. Mark. Where's Mark? Yeah, uh, Mark, you mentioned you wanted to do notices, yes. Good morning, everyone. Are you doing well? Okay, who likes coffee? Great. Who likes talking? Great. Who likes listening? Not so many. (laughs) Next week at The Hub at 6 o'clock, Cafe Church. If you like coffee, if you like to chat, if you like to learn things out, ask questions and give your opinion, not condemned. It's just a way we can really socialise and just get to know each other. But actually, through a Bible verse, we ask questions on it. I lead it, but I have no answers. I just have lots of questions. So if you've got questions on the Bible or questions on life, just come to Cafe Church tomorrow. It's only an hour, next week, sorry, it's only an hour. And we have coffee, tea, sometimes you might even get a hot chocolate, okay? And we always have biscuits, okay? So next week at the Hub, six o'clock, and I'm going to go and enjoy my coffee. Coffee, chocolate, biscuits talking about the Bible, exploring the Bible, asking questions. It's all very good stuff. Which also reminds me of prayers Monday morning at uh, 9.30. We do prayers at the hub, 9.30, and that is a wonderful time as well, just to start the week off in prayer and start the week off with God. So that is something very much would recommend people coming to. Uh, 9.30 at the hub goes on for about an hour. Now... Do I have anything else? Um, oh, yeah, just a little practical notice. When, um, so at the end of typically when kids go out to Sunday school and we have a wonderful time, at the end, if you are a parent of one of said kids, we'd strongly encourage you to come out to get them at the end of the service because uh, otherwise we don't want to necessarily have to make sure that every single one <laughs> runs back here because um, we can't because there's quite a few kids and we're blessed to have lots of kids, but just to make sure that they're safe, if you can come out to receive your kids, um, that would be really helpful for us practically and 
and from a safety point of view. But, yes. Any other notices that anyone else is aware of that I'm unaware of? If not, then we will start. So, oh, you go, go for it, Steve. Everybody. Um, who knows what today is? I know it's Sunday. <laughs> well done. Tis, it's Epiphany Sunday. Um, last, yesterday, I had a bit of fun last night over in Porlock in our village. Um, I joined a group to go, we're sailing. I've never done that in my life before. But basically, people think it's to do with paganism. It's actually not. We, we, were, we were actually thanking God for the coming apple harvest. There's about eight-year-old people were sort of going around the various orchards in the village and sort of just asking God's blessing on the future of the, of the apple harvest because of Somerset and oh, well, a lot of this area of the country, you know, we are historically dependent on, on apple harvest. It's one of our main exports. But I thought, what a great way to start a year. And we're saying always happens at the end of Christmas and before, well, actually, on, on Epiphany Day, which is yesterday. But today is Epiphany Sunday. Now, in some parts of the world, this is Christmas Day. Did you know that? If you go to the Orthodox Church, it's Christmas Day. And if you go to somewhere like Spain or Latin America, Epiphany Sunday, which is today, is probably as, as important as Christmas Day itself. Because Epiphany means appearing. God revealing himself. So, obviously, on Christmas Day, we celebrate baby Jesus being born, appearing to us as flesh, and Epiphany Sunday celebrates that, which is why um, God appearing. But we, in the West, think about the Magi, the three kings. Well, well, not three kings, but the Magi, could have been 33, we don't know, came to worship, and the Christ child appeared to the Gentiles, which is the reason why we use the word Epiphany. God revealed himself to, to the Gentiles. So I just want to pray this morning that God will reveal himself to us. That the whole of this year will be epiphany year for us in one sense. That God will reveal himself to us in our lives and in guiding us as well. And with that, I'm going to just to read a verse to you from Isaiah. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name for in perfect faithfulness. You have done marvelous things. Things planned long ago. God is faithful. God has guided us. And this coming year, we want to start by worshipping him and inviting him to guide us and protect us and to keep us through 2024 invite you now to please stand with me. Please stand. Just put your hands in front of you if you are able and invite the Holy Spirit to come. Father, at the beginning of this worship, we commit ourselves to you again. Holy Spirit, come upon us. May this be an epiphany moment for each of us. A moment of your revealing of yourself into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord for the years.
going to say a prayer together. And um, there we go. How many of you have made a New Year's resolution already? No, nobody's made any New Year's resolutions. Is that because you've all tried it in the past and failed? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pressure. <laughs> well, you know, um, John Wesley, who is the founder of Methodist Church, set up a tradition. At the beginning of the year, uh, he, he invented a covenant service or wrote a covenant service for early Methodists. And that is still quite a strong tradition in Methodist churches today. The first Sunday in the new year, we say a prayer, or congregations say a prayer of, of covenant, of promise to God and to each other. And it, I was looking on one or two blogs, sites for Baptist ministers. In fact, quite a few Baptist churches actually copy the same covenant service, which I'm going to share with you this morning. You'll recognize a lot of the phrases in this covenant are from uh, the Bible, 2 Corinthians 6, Philippians chapter 4, and so on. So it's familiar territory. But it's a way, actually, at the beginning of this year, it's just saying, you know, I'm giving myself to God. I'm actually recommitting myself to serve the Lord in this coming year, afresh. So these are quite strong words, really. They are powerful words. And uh, I just want you to look at those for a moment. In fact, there's two pages of this. There's this page... And Steve, you just click onto the next page for me. That's it. Let me fall, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. So, together, let's go back to the beginning, Steve. And we're going to say this together. If you feel you can't say it, truthfully, then don't. It's best to be honest before the Lord and with each other. So, if you're able, please say with me. I am not longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you, or laid aside for you. Exalted for you, or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and gladly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. And then we make this statement together, which is basically a, a declaration to one another. That we will walk together as Christians, unitedly and in profession of our faith and observing the Lord's commands. So this is just a statement of commitment towards one another and to our Lord and Saviour. So together we say, as a company of men and women who have received Christ as Saviour,
and by grace become God's children, we here and now dedicate ourselves to him. We desire to renew our commitment as a church of Jesus Christ, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, united to walk worthily of our profession, set apart to proclaim his word, to observe his commandments, and by God's grace to work according to his will for the salvation of others and the well-being of his world. Amen. What a promise. What a commitment. But that is Christian discipleship, folks. That's what it means to be a Christian. And I just trust that each of us make our commitment sure and firm for this coming year. Amen. Okay, I think our young folks can now leave. Pied Piper is going to take them. <laughs> Father, we just lift to you our youngsters as they leave. May your truth impact them this morning. May they learn from you. May their homes be blessed. May their faith be enriched this morning, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike. prayers of intercession this morning are broken basically into three different parts. First of all, concentrating on the world, and then on our country, and then here at NBC. <clears throat> I invite you in your own hearts, after we've done each section, to add your own prayers and thoughts to the ones that come from this time. But we have to realize we're in the presence of God. And so, <coughs> Heavenly Father, we come into your presence with praise and worship Mighty God, King of kings and Lord of heaven and earth. We thank you for guiding us into a new year and for your constant love to us at Minehead Baptist Church. We would ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit that we might be better witnesses in this new year. The world. We bring to you a world in great turmoil, following the recent events with unprovoked attacks on the Ukraine and Israel. 
by Russia and Hamas, acts of great evil. We bring before you the innocent, the wounded, the displaced, and the bereaved. We bring before you the medical workers, the healers. We pray for the world leaders who have a passion for peace and justice. We remember that all people are created in the image of God. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Our country. We bring before you the leaders and politicians of our country. For our new king, that he will give wise counsel. We pray that Christian values will be recognised more in our parliament and in schools. We thank you for our care workers, the NHS, for our emergency services. We thank you too that many Ukrainian refugees have found safety in our country. Here at NBC. We thank you for the ongoing witness of Minehead Baptist Church. We pray for the leadership that they might be inspired by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for all the teachers and workers in our fellowship, for all those involved in worship. We think especially of the prayer meetings, of the creche, the fire starters, the Girls' Brigade, the Youth Club. We thank you that we have so many young people. We pray that they may grasp the truth as Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Saviour. We pray for our life groups, oasis, our worship music groups, the craft group, knit and natter. We thank you, Lord, that so many people with so many talents have put it before you in love. We think of the ongoing work of the Hope Centre, giving hope to individuals who are without hope. We think of the Minehead Hub and its work in the community and showing the love of Jesus. But here, in the fabric of this church, 
We thank you for those who maintain it and clean it and keep it warm. We thank you too, Lord, for all those who cook and prepare meals, for the coffee, tea, for the washer-uppers. We thank you for our secretary, and we do treasure our treasurer. Thank you for our ministers and those that bring us the gospel. Lord, we have so much to thank you for. So many people are faithful to you. And yet, how often do we say, thank you? Thank you? Thank you. Lord, guide us through this new year. May we be salt and light in our community. We ask this in the name of our Saviour and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. As you may have noticed on the screen, when Mike stood up to give the prayers, that the reading is from Nehemiah, if you noticed. I'm reading from Nehemiah chapter 8, starting at verse 5, down to verse 12. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Yeshua, Bani, Sherebia, Yamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodia, Maaseiah, Kelita, Azariah, Yozabad, Hanan, and Peliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, 
This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord God. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because... They now understood the words that have been made known to them. And finishing with the last verses from Habakkuk, which is chapter 3, verse 17 to the end. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. We thank the Lord for his word to us. morning. Half of you are awake, that's good. <laughs> Happy New Year. How many times have you heard that in the last fortnight? <laughs> Happy New Year. How many times have you said it in the last couple of weeks? Happy New Year. What do we mean? What do we mean? Happy New Year. I want January the 1st to be good. Is that what we mean? Or I want the first beginning of the year to be good. Is that what we mean? Or happy. I hope you'll be happy from January the 1st until December the 31st. I hope you'll be happy. I'm not quite sure what we do mean, really. But the fact is, it is a wish. I wish you I don't know, you've probably had um, Christmas cards. Wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'm not sure that my Christmas was merry, but I enjoyed it. But I'm not sure if merry was quite the right word. I usually think of merry as having a bit much to drink, and I'm a teetotaler, so... Uh, but, and a Happy New Year. And so it's a wish. 
But you know, to a large extent, happiness depends on what happens. Happiness depends on what happens. There are several people here who are keen sports followers. If their football team wins, they're much happier than when their football team loses. If their cricket team wins, which is more my area, they're happier when they win. I imagine with Jeff, he's happier if the right person wins the motor racing. Here's he puts his thumb up. It's what happens. If you are expecting a wage rise and you think, I'm expecting 5%, and the notification comes through, 15%, you're happy. The notification comes through, things aren't going very well, I'm sorry, there will be no rise this year. You don't go out rejoicing. A few weeks ago, some of you know, I was sent off to see a specialist, ear, nose and throat specialist, because the local... Um, place thought I'd probably got throat cancer. I can honestly say I never lost a bink of sleep over it, but I thought they thought I'd got throat cancer. And the fact was, I knew when I came out of that hospital, my happiness level would be up a bit or down a bit. I haven't got throat cancer. I don't even need an operation. I just need to spray my nose every day. So I'm happy about that. Happiness depends on what happens so much. But I wanted you to talk about something this morning which in some ways is a bit similar. Joy. Joy is not the same as happiness. Do you know you can be joyful when you're unhappy? I know that sounds a bit strange, but it's a reality. Joy is something which is much deeper. You rejoice. I don't often preach from a, from a text, but I've actually got a text this morning. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Now when we say Happy New Year, that's a wish. When Paul wrote this, this is not a, not a wish, this is an instruction. It's actually an instruction. We are instructed to rejoice in the Lord. What have we got to rejoice about? Well, our relationship with the Lord. Happiness depends on the ups and downs, what happens. But we should be able to keep the sense of joy in our relationship with the Lord. I'm so glad Jesus rescued me, we used to sing. And I found another song this, this week. I, I like a, you know, looking up songs. A lady called C.C. Winans. I've got Jesus, so I've got joy, she sings. I've got Jesus, so I've got joy. I'm not always happy. Are you? Some of you are better than others. Some of you are better than others, but we have, we're not happy all the time. But joy. And we've had a couple of readings this morning which talk about joy. Rejoicing, in fact. They use the word rejoicing. Expressions of joy, rejoicing. We've had the reading in Nehemiah. And in that reading in Nehemiah, it says in Nehemiah, he says, um, the joy 
of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. How can you keep strong? Because you've got the joy of the Lord. And it's important to put this into its context. Why was it said? In what context was it said? Well, there was a big crowd of the people of Israel gathered as many together. And the Levites, Ezra and the, and the Levites, they were reading to them the law. And not just reading to them the law, but if there were bits that were a little bit vague, they were making it as plain as possible so they knew what the law said. They were going through the law. We don't know exactly which bits of scripture they read. Were they reading the whole of the book of Leviticus? Or I don't know what they were reading. <coughs> But we can imagine some of the things that they were reading to them. They, were prob- they probably read to them the Ten Commandments. Don't know for sure. They probably read to them how important all kinds of sacrifices were that they were meant to take to the temple. Well, the temple had been rebuilt now. Were they doing it? They read dietary laws. Things they were supposed to eat and not supposed to eat. He would have read to them hygiene laws. God was very keen on the hygiene. You sort of think it's a bit strange, but God even gave them instructions about going to the toilet. Hygiene laws. He gave them laws about keeping festivals. The different festivals through the year. He gave them laws about sexual purity. And so you can see these people, they're hearing this law, they're hearing that law, they're hearing the next one. He gave them laws about caring for the poor. How when they they did their harvest, don't don't go right in the corners, leave that. If a hundred sheaf falls off, just leave it there, leave it for the poor. Different things, different ways in which they were to care for the poor. How if they, you know, if they took, took somebody's coat as a sort of pledge, give it back to them at night, don't let them go cold. You've got to look after the poor. You must. You must keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath that was going to be very strict. And not just the weekly Sabbath. There was a, 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 year of, a year of Sabbath, the 50th year, the year of Jubilee. Keep the Sabbath. There were laws about property ownership. You couldn't just, property couldn't just go from one family to another and one tribe to another. There were laws and there were rules about property ownership. There were rules about honest weights and measures. You must have honest weights and honest measures. And you can imagine, and when you read here, you can imagine, as they were hearing these laws, one by one, they're realising oh, we haven't kept that one. Haven't kept that one. And they begin to feel very distressed when they realise how disobedient they have been to God. They're getting down, they're getting depressed by their own failure. I would say this is a deep conviction. They are convicted of their sin. They are so convicted of their sin that they are weeping. 
It's been years since I've seen it, but I've known times when the gospel is preached and an appeal is made and someone's gone forward with tears pouring down their face, coming under such conviction of sin. And I want to say this morning, there may be people here and you still need to have that sense of, you know, you have not kept God's rules and God's laws. And I don't mean all these Old Testament laws, but even basic things about honesty and about love and about care and about, you know, the basic things which we know are right and wrong. And even as Christians, we've been Christians for years, can't we sometimes just think, well, we're forgiven anyway and we don't get very convicted about our sin. These are convicted about their sin. And I think what's coming upon them as a people is a deep sense of conviction and repentance. But how are they going to go on from there? Because if they are so sorry for their sin that they are weeping, then they've got to live differently in the future, haven't they? There's no point being so sorry, but then saying, well, it doesn't matter, I'll carry on afterwards. What comes upon these people is this sense of, we've we've let God down, we've done this, we've done that, we we haven't done this, we haven't done that. And there's this deep sense of conviction, but how are they going to move on from there? How are they going to go on and serve the Lord? How are they going to go on and live the way they should? They need to get to the point where they enjoy their relationship with God. They've got to enjoy their relationship. You see, if we try to go through life, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I mustn't do this and I mustn't do that, it's a struggle. You try to just turn over a new leaf. Turns out that nobody's made them, you know, New Year's resolutions, but trying to turn over some bad habit you've got, I'm not going to do that anymore. It's not easy, is it? To overcome, to live for the Lord, we need to enjoy our relationship with the Lord. And we have to make, to a certain extent, you've got to make the effort. Come on, enter into your relationship with the Lord. Enjoy your relationship with the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I, I, can't, I can't stop this, I can't stop that, I can't change this, I, can't, I just can't. Well, if you're going through with this sense of weight, Rather than in a sense of joy in the Lord, it's hard doing. They, they, they were crying. And they said, come on, stop your crying, stop your crying, and think about the wonder that God is your God, God is your, is your Lord, God is yours. Can I say that to you this morning? God is your Lord. God is your Saviour. God is your, your Father. God is your King. And two or three of you look glad about it. You know, it's... it's that's the way they were going to be able to live for God, to enjoy being His. Then let's turn over to the other reading that we had. This other reading, actually, in fact, it's a, a whole load further on in the Scripture but it's a whole load further back in time. The scripture's not in chronological order. This is Habakkuk. And again, Habakkuk, he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will. I'm going to. 
Let's look at the circumstances. Habakkuk is one of the Jewish people and Habakkuk is distressed. The people are very, very sinful and it's distressing him. He cares about it. So in the beginning of the book of Habakkuk, it says, Habakkuk says, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 3, Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. The law is paralysed. Justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. He's saying... Our country is in a terrible state. Well, don't you think ours is? Our country is in a terrible state, he's saying. God, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Our country is in a terrible state. The sin is awful. God says, I'm going to do something about it. I am going to send in the Babylonians and these people are going to suffer for their sin. And Habakkuk says, you what? They're worse than we are. How can you use them? And God says, I'm going to use them for my purposes. I'm going to use them. They are going to come in and you, you as a nation, you are going to suffer. And so Habakkuk has it in his mind. There's an awful future coming. Things are going to be awful. Opposition, you know, an army's going to come in, they're going to take over. It's going to be awful. And it, it's in this situation where he knows things are going to be bad that he says, though the fig tree doesn't bud, there are no grapes on the vines. If the olive crop fails, the fields don't produce. There's no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I know things are going to be terrible, but I shall rejoice in the Lord. Now please, I'm not saying to you, 2024 is going to be a terrible year. But what if it is? What if it is? What if some tragedies strike some of you this year? Or me this year? You know, as Christians, we're not immune to problems and difficulties. Some of you who are going out to work, you get made redundant this year. Some of you get bad news from a doctor this year. Some of you lose a precious member of your family or a precious friend this year. Will you lose your joy? You'll lose your happiness, yes. Of course you will for that time. He says, I will. I will rejoice in the Lord. And you see, you've got to, you've got to make the effort. You've got, to, you've got to, I know this seems hard to put into words, but you've got to make the effort. You've got to say, look, look I'm going to concentrate on the good in my life. And what is the good in my life? Above everything else, it is my relationship with the Lord. I can say the good in my life is my marriage. The good in my life is my home. The good in my life is all kinds of things. But what's the best thing in your life? 
If you cannot say the best thing in your life is the Lord, then you, you can't do this. He says, I will rejoice in the Lord. Amen. I will rejoice in the Lord. I can't rejoice in I can't rejoice in the political situation at the moment. I don't know how you feel about it, but I think I think it's pretty awful and I can't see any hope of it being any better, to be honest. My personal opinion is if we've got an election coming up, it will be um, a bad lot or a bad lot or a bad lot. But that, that puts my, um, my political position. But we, we can't rejoice in that. And it's a bit like um, Habak- um, Nehemiah's day, and, and, sorry, in Habakkuk's day. The nation's pretty awful, isn't it? In many, many ways. But, but, he said, I will rejoice in the Lord. And I just want to encourage you this morning, rejoice in the Lord. You've got a relationship. If you have a relationship with the Lord, you have every reason to keep that sense of joy. You cannot keep happy all the time. Again, we used to sing, happiness happens but joy abides. In the heart that is stayed on Jesus. And that's where it is, it is stayed on Jesus. The original text I gave you was from Philippians. Paul wrote to the Philippian church and he told them, he gave them instructions. Rejoice in the Lord always and again I'll say rejoice. Folks, this early church, these early churches, they were likely to suffer tremendous persecution. The whole history of the early church is persecution and trouble and difficulty. And when Paul wrote to them, he didn't know what was coming. He didn't know what persecution was coming to them. He didn't know what things were going to be like for them. But he said, whatever, whatever, rejoice in the Lord. Concentrate on your relationship on him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. Even if terrible things do happen this coming year, the Lord's not going to forsake you. Do you know that? The Lord's not going to forsake you. If you know him as your Lord and Saviour, he's going to be with you. You're going to have that certainty. You can maybe look around and all things are awful. Maybe even in your own circumstances things aren't very good. You don't know what's coming. But it's rather than getting under the circumstances. You know, how are you doing? Oh, not too bad under the circumstances. What are we Christians doing under the circumstances? It's not a very nice expression, really, is it? Not too bad under the circumstances. Well, I've been there and so have you. But rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And before I finish, let me just say, those people in Nehemiah, they were repentant. Have you ever repented? Have you ever come to God and said, Lord, I know I'm wrong. I know I have done wrong. I need your forgiveness.
Because it's offered through Jesus. It's offered through the fact that he paid paid the price for our sin. You can know the joy. There might be people here this morning who say, I don't even know what he's talking about. What was he on about this joy in the Lord? Well, you can only know joy in the Lord if you know the Lord. And you can only know the Lord through the Lord Jesus Christ, who paid the price for our sin. We're going to take communion in a minute. What have I got to rejoice in? Christ died for you. If you haven't got anything else to rejoice in, Christ died for you. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. Do you ever get a bit miserable? Oh, I do. But that's on the surface. Down there. I'm so glad I'm a Christian. I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad Jesus died for me. I'm so glad. It wasn't a wish. Happy New Year. It was an instruction. Rejoice in the Lord. And I'll say it again. Paul said, in in case you didn't get it the first time, Paul says, I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. So let me encourage you for the coming year, whatever the ups and downs, and there might be some wonderful ups, let's be honest, there might be some few awful downs, whatever, come on, try and keep that joy in the Lord. Concentrate on him. Concentrate on your relationship with him. Let us rejoice in the Lord. To leave a comment, please go to minehead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.